Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Sevier, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.sevier, and you can also find him on YouTube. All right. First of all, this is episode 50. We are, Mylon and Melanin have made it to 50. Um, and we are super excited. Yes. We are joined by Ardra Shepard, Miss Tripping on Air, Damian Washington, and Carlos Kareem Windham. And you all are a few of our favorite people in the MS community. We are super, super excited to have you. And all of you have been previous guests last season on the podcast. And we're hoping to hear your name a lot more during season three. So thank you for joining us for our first ever Myelin and Melanin party so line. you were talking. <laughs> That's where the mad official. Is this happening? We're on? We're Are we on. recording? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're recording. Yeah. Um, okay. Say word. Yeah. So we talked before just a few minutes ago about what the party lines of the 80s and 90s were. So I know you guys all remember that. But who knows? I mean, somebody who's listening to this could be like, you know, 18, 19 years old, and they probably have no clue what a party line is. So how would you describe it to a lay person who doesn't know what a party line is? I'm going to leave that to y'all because somebody maybe 48, 49, 50 years old might not have no idea either. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to let y'all think. I'm going to work that out. Look, the party line was like back in the what the 80s and such, like when things was you know trying to pop off and everything. And we have all this technology. Like, why don't you call me? Are you lonely? Do you want to have a friend? Do you want to just come into people? Uh, into um, do you want to have a conversation with locals in your area? That sounds fun. With your boring ass, so call, call the party line, call 1 900 and whatever is the number, and then for you know. Uh, ten ten dollars um, a minute. You will get to speak and listen to and be a part of this loud cacophony on the telephone. This was before the chat room. This was before you know the FaceTime. So like, just b essentially, there was like civil rights crack as far as the, you know, the, the the social evolution. So right now we are harking it back to the days post crack, but the internet, which is the party line. It's exciting yeah, times. Well, our party line—it's an opportunity for for us to talk with you know our favorite people and you know about what we consider to be provocative topics. That's what I would say our party line is about. Yeah, yeah. right. Our party line again, not. Crazy. I really feel like we're not going to get anything productive done. <laughs> no, we have a good topic. We really do. We do. Okay. Yeah. So, Don and I recorded a video not too long ago where we talked about what we both um, considered 
TMI or not TMI, um, too much information as it relates to things like our MRIs and scans and things like that. So um, I'll just give an example to give some context. So when I get an MRI, I don't want to know much about it. I want to know if my MRI is stable or if I have new or enhancing lesions, you know, things like that. But I do not want to know where my lesions are. I don't want, I don't, I want to know as least information as possible. I just want to know the basics. But Dawn, on the, uh, the other hand, what about you, Dawn? I want to know everything. I want to know all the details. Like Ardra, you had a wonderful post not too long ago, like touch your finger with your nose. That It was like the, the fun aspects of the neurological exam. I want to know why. Why fun. am I touching? Yeah, fun. Exactly. And air. Right. Um, why am I touching my nose? Why are you having me, you know, resist you if I put my arms up or kick my leg out? Like, what is this all about? And I want to know where all of my lesions are placed. Like, I want to know the details. I want to know. I call that uh, touch your finger, touch my nose thing, the um, <laughs> secret handshake. <laughs> that, that's a good way. Yeah, I love it. it. <laughs> yeah. But my yeah. thing is, as far as the MRIs and everything, what difference does it make to me if I have a lesion at T5 of my, I'm just making this up, of my thoracic spine? If I have absolutely no symptoms of anything weird going on, if I know, if I ask the doctor, hey, what is this lesion? What could it potentially do? And he tells me, you know, whatever. I'm going to be thinking that, what, so let's just say it, that lesion could affect my memory. Just making this up. Um, I'm going to think that if I forget anything, that it has something to do with that stupid lesion. And it might not. So it is going to send me down a complete rabbit hole of anxiety and worry for absolutely no reason. Because what am I going to do about it? That's just the way I see it. I think, I think both answers mm. are right. I mean, I, th I think you can also feel like your mm. body is gaslighting yeah. you, you know, like, um, yeah, if something's happening and you, you don't know why it can be reassuring sometimes, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's MS. It's not right. something yeah, else. My lesions are my friend. Um, I love them. I, I personally. <laughs> you love your lesions? And I actually, I feel. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. yeah, my, you know, I, 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 once I had seen my brain that first time and I was like, oh, my God, look at that. That is beautiful. Are you kidding me? I had no idea that each one of those sparkles was a problem. I was like, oh, look at me. I'm fabulous. <laughs> so, you know, like show it to me. You know, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that, that anything that, that my body is doing at this point, it's doing both in coordination with and in defiance of those lesions and and my dead spot right that's my dead spot and and i hold it in my frontal left cortex and it gives me permission to say things like you know i don't i don't really have a filter and if i forget shit, uh i'll blame it on my lesions because i don't want to deal with it you know that's a great excuse i love them because of that I love I love that what you said about um, and I already can't quote it. The very first thing you said about um, 
in defiance of and with, yeah and because of right, right. in coordination with yeah, yeah I, I love I that forgot I also like to blame shit on having brain damage like it might it drives my husband he doesn't like it when I say that <laughs> when I when I do something stupid I'm like well I have brain damage. Like, he doesn't like that yeah, yeah no, he just he just gotta say true, right, okay true. yeah you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's something about like using those that kind of language, though. I think that is like, is a bit jarring. Like brain we like damage. to say, like yeah. we don't want to say <laughs> right. brain damage. No. Yeah, That's yeah. What, it is. what about you, Damien? No, I, I'm, I'm essentially I was just listening to it's everyone, and it's like, yeah, no, I agree with everybody. Uh, personally, I'm like, I could give a damn because it's not like I could go in there and um, it, it's not as if I can be like, oh, that is my enemy, the lesion on T5 and I will do 16 push-ups and uh, like all this, I will eat a certain way and like follow a certain regimen to make that go away. Like the uh, right. information that I need to have myself wholly well does not necessarily depend on the specific right. lesion. So I'm more focused on the whole um, and don't, could really give a damn about the detail. Like I don't, that's all multi-syllabic, multi-syllabic gobbledygook to a cat like me mm -hmm. who is obsessed with detail. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ordinary. Too much detail so, can send me into that's depression. That's I have to say about that. Like MS is fucked up yeah, enough. Man. But if I know, hey, you know, there's lesion there, here, that, there, and everywhere, it's just too much. Like, for me, self-care is only knowing the very mm -hmm. basics. I don't know. I have MS, period. That's not mm -hmm. changing. I have MS. But knowing all the details, knowing how many lesions I have, and I don't need to know. Like, I want to know, you know, if the doctor feels that the MRI is stable, if I need to be on a new DMT because I have new lesions or, you know, other things like that. You know, of course, I mean, I care about my MRI. I want to know kind of the basics of what's going on, but the specifics, like if I, I'll, yeah, no, I don't want to end up depressed, even more depressed than MS already makes me. Here's what I don't like. I think both answers are right. And I think that it is very patient yes. specific. What I don't like is when mm, the right. doctor doesn't really give you yes. the option or doesn't want to give you, doesn't take the time to explain and answer those questions, like maybe brushes you off. Like I like to know mm. why we're doing the nose right. finger touch test um, or anything. It's, um, I think it should be up to the patient to decide what they yes. can handle and and the doctor should should respect that and honor that and take the time to explain I, it. Yeah, that's I I can definitely yes. agree to that. But I'm super nosy. I've always been like when I was little, I was, I think I was like a super precocious child, so I had to know everything, and I was always talking and always asking questions. And I think that's part of my personality anyway. So having something as as intricate and detailed as MS. Like I, I want to know, mm -hmm. I need to know, why are you asking me to put these pegs in these little holes and take them out? And like, why are you timing me? I mean, I get why you're timing me, but like, tell me the results. Like, how was I the last time versus this time? Like, I want to know, I want to see the, the notes. <laughs> I want to see what my doctor is saying. And I don't know, maybe that's me being intrusive on her territory. I don't know. 
That's your brain. Well, it's your right. It's your brain, man. It's right. your body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, Don. I measure my own. I do my own measurements at home. I, it's like, it's it's a little bit too mm. much. Mm. I have always felt like what gets measured gets managed, but mm. uh, it I I, it is starting. Yeah, it can get you down when what you're measuring is yeah. on the decline all the time. And also. you know, I, I there yeah. was a point where I was having like all of these. And I still kind of have it because maybe it's the cancer crab in me because I was born in July. But all of these um, emotional outbursts and like just crying, screaming, just laughing at stupid times or just just being completely crabby, you know. And it never made sense to me. I was like, why am I so emotional? Is this hormonal? Is this just me being a girl? I don't know. But then again, looking at my, well, back in the day, you had film the big film, but now they have everything on mm -hmm. CD. So looking at the film, I was like, okay, here are the lesions. So like, like Carlos was saying, I think I had some in the frontal lobe or something like that, you know? And so I, I'm not sure if that's where the emotional part is, or maybe is it the sensory cortex? I don't know, but I, I don't remember all the different parts of the brain, but I know I had lesions in those areas. So it, it like helped me, understand why I was having these emotional outbursts, if that makes sense. Like it may, it helps me make sense. It's yeah. hundred percent. I feel like every month, I feel like every month I, most months I find myself like eating a bag of sugar, like wait, right out of, no, I mean sugar <laughs> and crying and being crazy. And then I get my period and I'm like, Oh, thank God. I'm not like, I'm right. not insane. It's, right. it's like out of my control. There's like right. a reason for it. Right. I don't have to hate myself anymore. Yeah. I think the bottom line though, our dread mentioned this, is that it really is patient specific. Everybody's going to have their own way of processing and dealing. Um, we had a conversation with Dr. Aaron Boster not too long ago. And the episode is going to air in a couple of weeks, actually after this. And he was talking, you know, of course, from a provider perspective about how important it is to have a relationship between patient and doctor for the doctor to know and understand mm -hmm. and respect what is too much, perhaps, for a patient. Dr. Boster is like a unicorn. He, he sure is. is. I, I love him so much, but he is like... He is giving information to patients that neurologists yes. have kept secret yes. for yes. so long. Yes. Like, he empowers patients. I'm like such a fangirl for Dr. Yeah. Boster. I yeah. feel the same way. And because when I hear him talk or watch the video, sometimes I'm like, oh my God. It's not that I don't have a fantastic neurologist because I think I do, but I'm like, why didn't I ever know this? Why didn't I? Why haven't we ever spoken about those topics? Like, this is important. Right. And. I think a lot of neurologists leave plenty of things to the wayside and they do feel like, okay, I have a good relationship with my patient. However, they don't need to know all of that. And, and a lot of it is left up to them where right. they're like, oh, they don't need to know as long as they know that the MRI is stable or, you know, um, this certain DMT is working for them. They don't need to know all the, the other pieces, but no, I think you do. Right. Well, for me, I don't. And that's the point, though, that I think that it's important for a neurologist to be conscious about what the patient wants, because I don't want to know all that information. I made 
the mistake. So I've had MS for 15 going on 16 years now. So I've had MS for a long time. And I have always been the kind of hands-off type person because I know myself and I know my anxiety and I just know what I can handle. Um, And I made the mistake of, well, I don't even know if I intended to read it, but um, clicking on something and starting to read the radiologist report um, for my last MRI, which you know, was stable, no new lesions, all of that, which was great. That's really all I needed to know. But, and the radiologist comments are always very like hard. Yes. Yeah. Which I don't like anyway, but the radiologist wrote something and I just read this one sentence. It said something about MRI is stable, but the sheer amount of lesions. And that's like all I need to see. And I was depressed for weeks just that one sentence, the sheer amount of lesions. Like, so it's triggering, yeah, right? Totally like it's, triggering. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't need to. I know I have a lot of lesions. I've had MS for a long time. I, ha- you know, all of that. But I didn't need to see that. Like, I intuitively know that. But just seeing those words just did something to me. And, um, yeah. So again, some people like maybe they want to know like how many lesions they have and all that. Like for me, it was just like you said, Ardra, triggering is yeah the perfect. It would be word. beautiful if we had yeah. a healthcare system that supported you know our, our, our opportunities to do any kind of self advocacy as well, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, you know what you're talking about is very honest and it's very real, and and each patient is going to experience their relationship to MS differently. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully as a neurologist who can meet them where they are. Right. Um, and that requires, you know, being in medical systems that allow you to, to you know, for want of a better word, date your neurologist and figure out like, is this the right person? Right. Um, it, like, are we going to vibe together? And that's not uh, the sort of efficacy nor advocacy that, this system is set out for yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you're so right same same thing in canada i know our healthcare systems often get compared to each other but there's not um a lot of options here either and i think that's like if we want to stereotype the typical neurologist they're you know they don't they don't approach the emotional care part yes of like or like the whole person part of dealing with MS mm-hmm. in in a lot of and cases. And that's that's why I love acupuncture because my acupuncturist always says, "Come in, come in," and we will talk. And she explains everything to me. So she'll tell me, "Okay, your chi is off," or you have it's you have stagnation. That's what she always says: stagnation, stagnation. So she says, "I'm treating the whole body, the whole person." And that that's comforting for me, like going in and then her explaining why she's doing it and everything that it's affecting. I don't know. I'm just used to that. So call me crazy, I guess. I don't know. No, it's great. It's like not the fault of the neurologist either. They're no. like working within a system where, um, I mean, I know in Toronto we have like patient loads are like a thousand patients for each neurologist were understaffed and and there's so much MS there just really isn't mm-hmm. the time. I think though Dana when you're talking about 
like just tell me all I need to know there that there's a time and a place for that but mm. I think when it's a problem is when it, we defer to the doctor yes. exclusively for a DMT and um, like that's where I feel like we really need that explained to us and broken down and um, our risk tolerance taken into account because there's so much disparity now in, in like treatment philosophies like do you start Definitely. early and aggressively or the escalation model like that is a major philosophical debate that I think yes I mean neurologists isn't necessarily going to want to get into that with you right. they're going to want to push their own philosophy on you that's a really really good point and two, you know coming from the perspective of somebody who was diagnosed when there were just three DMTs um, yeah, you know, there too. was just, and so like grow, I guess growing up with MS, like as the DMTs started coming, you know, I, you know, was, a, you know, even though I'm not, you know, thrilled about knowing a lot about my personal MRIs, I do like to know a lot about what's going on in terms of MS research and the DMTs and the drugs and all of that. That being said though, Ardra, it is a good point, especially in this day and age where there is so much now. You have to yeah. educate yourself about what's going on and you can't defer to a doctor when there are like how many, what, 17, 18 different DMTs I now? A patient uh, who was just diagnosed reach out to me recently uh, didn't know anything and was asking for advice and said the doctor she'd met with recommended this drug called copaxone. <laughs> and I was like, well, did he mention any other drugs? Right, right. Like, did he mention any other drugs? Right. Like, you know, there yeah. are options that wow. you look at. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got to really advocate for yourself and not every patient is. I, it's like if I were to get, God forbid, cancer, I think like you go to the doctor and I would probably, well, maybe not having been through MS, but like you just trust what they, what, what they tell you to take, right. you know, like this is the disease, this is the treatment. Okay. But MS is so much more complicated. Well, can, like, can yeah. I ask you all a, qu a quick yeah. question? It's kind of off topic a little bit. Were you given um, a DMT like right away or were you diagnosed right away or did you have to go to like, a couple of different specialists to get finally your, your final MS diagnosis, I guess. Like, do they, when you were, okay. First question, when, when you, sorry. Okay. Yeah, like, so when you were right. and you were like, something's wrong, <laughs> yeah. did, were you diagnosed with MS or were they like, Oh, come back. We'll figure it out. Were, were they, di did they know right away when you went in? This, this is Dana. And I, there's a whole long dramatic story you can listen to the first episode of this podcast if you want to hear that. But the bottom line, when it was discovered that I had optic neuritis and I had the MRI, it was, you know, yes, you have MS. Other side note, my mother also has MS. So that was just kind of, yeah, obvious. Um, so, yeah, so I, as soon as it was found out that I had was suffering from optic neuritis, um, I was diagnosed with MS and put on Avonex, which that's a whole other nightmare story. Mm -hmm. This was in 2004, um, right away. So that's me. That's Dana. Were you guys diagnosed right away? Like, did they say, oh, this is MS? Or did you have to see several therapists? By the time I got to an MRI machine, um, personally, uh, 
that's when I knew that it would that that we learned it was MS. And it, it, I went through three, four different doctors before that, and everybody knew something was wrong, but they mm. didn't know what. Um, and what the the one of the last doctors was like, eh, I don't know, get an MRI. And mm. the MRI readout was like, oh yeah, this guy has MS. Like you know, so it just is one of those things where you didn't know for all this time when you're seeing all the docs because once I got an MRI, oh yeah, I did. Right. Oh, okay, now let me get a neurologist. Oh, okay, let me get a specialist. Oh, okay, so I just kind of went quickly down that rabbit hole right directly after that. And this know? was when, 2016, Damien? Yeah, 2016. Okay. Were you diagnosed gotcha. right away? I got diagnosed, I was diagnosed in a minute. Uh, yeah. I also, mm. like Dana, I presented with optic neuritis mm. and like within mm. a month, I also had hearing loss. Mm. So it, that was a weird thing. I was diagnosed right away. And the doctor mm -hmm. who diagnosed me told me that the hearing loss, like, wasn't a thing. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, mm, yeah, um, that's another story. But right. yeah, I was diagnosed wow. very quickly. What about you, yeah. Carlos, right away? Yeah, it was pretty much right off the top. Um, I had, uh, I experienced the optic and then uh, I had gone in thinking I was getting eye exercises <laughs> because I had also recently mm -hmm. gotten bifocals and uh, so mm -hmm. that turned into a very, very long uh, eye appointment that led to the MRI and the instant that I got out of that machine, um, you know, the, the first doctor who took a look at it, they were like, I mean, we, 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 we don't have to tap your spine. We're good. This is this is MS. Is, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I ask because you guys were because Ardra just said something about Copaxin and then like treating um, MS right away is that that's a thing for some doctors and then some doctors it's not. And when I was initially presenting, having presenting symptoms, I had the evoke potential test and um, that was horrible. Yeah, I hated that thing. The lumbar puncture, which was like another. Mm. Yeah, that was nightmare. But the first neurologist that I saw, he was like, oh, you're on a spectrum. And I think I've told this story so many times, but they, they didn't talk mm. about any type of disease modifying therapies with me. They didn't even talk about MS. It was like, yeah, it looks like MS, but you're on a spectrum. And you can... What year was that, Don? This was in 2000. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it'll be 20 years in May that I have... I have uh, May 23rd, 2000 was when I was officially diagnosed, but I started having problems in 99. So. Yeah. So I just wonder sometimes why certain neurologists take the, if they see your MRIs, like we're talking about and all these lesions and they see the issues that you are having and when you come to them, why is it that some are laxed and don't want to be proactive? You know what I mean? And then some are like, yeah, let's attack it right away. Like my neurologist that I have now, she's like, no, there's three drugs. There's the ABC. There are the ABC drugs, Avanax, Copaxin, Betaseron, or Avanax, Betaseron, Copaxin. Um, mm, right. What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll do A. That's the first letter in the alphabet. I'll just do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I chose Avanax. But yeah, some doctors do want to treat you right away. And and that's when I started right. looking at my MRIs. I was like, okay, what is this all about? I need to know. Yeah. I was like, hit me with the biggest sledgehammer you have immediately. <laughs> um, and that's where like the, well, and my MS hit hard and fast. 
and I was not afraid of the drugs as much as I was afraid of MS. So mm. I wanted to be treated aggressively. There weren't, I was like, like 19 years ago, I was like, mm. send me for that stem cell really? transplant now. Mm -hmm. um, and my doc, yeah, my, I was like all over the research. He wouldn't do it um, until I would ask him at every appointment and uh, he wouldn't do it until it was too late. Yeah. So, okay. What like, can you yeah. explain? What does that mean until it was too late? What do you mean? Well, by the time I had a consult, uh, I, I was told it wouldn't be effective in me. That's when I had Lemtrata. It's like ugh, such a boring, long story. Yeah. But I think like the the doctor had said to me, you know, if you'd had this HSCT earlier, um, and I don't necessarily want to open that can of worms, right, but yeah. like, it, it would yeah. have been more effective for me but that's where like I didn't know in my naive young ways that I could get a second opinion right. that I could find somebody that was willing to take more risks with my treatment and so I mean I just took him at his word of like this is what we're doing and um like when he said no I thought that was that was right. no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have the getting second opinion and third opinion sort of put into us as part of the societal thing. The right. thing is, you find the doctor, then you listen to what they say. Exactly. But the yeah. other part of it, when you're dealing with something as serious as this, is like gray. Then you find another doctor and see what they say. Right. But until you figure out some some um, something that works for you, and that's not. Uh, something that you kind of understand when you hit, when you're hit with something as serious as MS as it's going. So like your whole life, you just sort of going with the flow as you're trying to you know manage your health. And for most of it, other people brought you to the doctor because you're right. a kid, you know. Right. And so now you're here and just sort of walking along the road when it's like you know other version of you could be like, oh okay, cool, that's your opinion, or oh okay, cool, that's what you think. Let me find another you and see what that you thinks. Right. That's not something yeah. that um, sort of comes as quickly um, as uh, hindsight would like would have liked us to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We wait like months and months to see a neurologist sometimes. And but my advice to newly diagnosed people now is find a doctor that makes you feel like you're part of yeah. your own care team. Mm-hmm. Definitely that you that you get a voice and that you're not just um, being dictated to exactly because when you are not feeling well and you're scared like scared shitless you don't know that you don't know number one what to ask you know what I mean you don't know like all you know is to describe what you're feeling and it, it's hard mm -hmm. to describe what you're feeling because people don't understand MS, you know what I mean? Like, and the symptoms mm. and all of the little, you know, aches and pains or whatever, the numbness tingling mm. that we have. So like, I know I was in a blur. So like, that's such good advice, Ardra, to a newly diagnosed person, because I honestly have to really like sit down and think about, okay, what was I going through when I was first having symptoms or when I was first diagnosed, like what was on my mind? Because I think I just went with the flow. And like you said, Damon, you don't even think to ask for a second opinion. Like it was somebody right. in my family. They were like, no, you need to go and ask another doctor because that's not, you know, you're on a spectrum. No, you need to get aggressive with this because this disease is no joke. 
And like, if I didn't listen, yeah. I would have just like rode, just rode with it. Right. Well, and it's interesting, Dawn. It, it reminds me of uh, another episode that we did with Dr. Boster. The question that we had or we gave to him is that how, as a neurologist, how do you know what DMT you think would work for a patient? And I use an example of Abinex. I had Abinex. I hated it. You know, whatever. That's a whole other story. And again, that is one of the very first drugs. So it's sort of like, I feel like should be obsolete now. But nonetheless, I asked, like, do you ever see a patient and decide, hmm, I'm going to prescribe Avonex to this person? And Dr. Boster, you know, in his opinion, and again, all neurologists are different, said that there are some patients that he would never, ever describe Avonex or prescribe Avonex for. And so, and there are other neurologists who that might be their first line choice. So I bring that up to say all neurologists are different. So I think it's like imperative really to get more than one opinion. Well, I think so much has changed in our lifetime with MS also that mm -hmm. like some doctors haven't kept up. Yeah. And I know for me, I started on Rebif, which do you guys have Rebif there or this? Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah, we oh, yeah. yeah, we do. Okay. So yeah, I start I, I started on Rebif and I was having very, very aggressive attacks, but I had no I had nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. So I was afraid to come mm -hmm. off Rebif because I thought if I was off of it, I would be even worse. I had no idea that the expectation was to not keep having relapses. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah, there's, I, there's a lot of hindsight. Oh, go ahead, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, I just I, I lucked out. I mean, I you know I I guess lucked out, right? I lucked out with the MS fucking lottery. I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> <laughs> as it turns out, uh, while I had gotten diagnosed very late in life, uh, part of what made my diagnosis very clear to them was that the legions. Uh, came in such varying shades that it was explained to me quickly, like, okay, so these ones that are less bright, uh, these are not new, right? And and we right. kind of like look yeah. at this like, like opening a tree and see how far back this has been going. And so by the time they diagnosed me, I had been in pain denial and functioning for over 20 years, right? And wow, right. with, without knowing that I had MS. And so by the time we got to, to the BT, I, like I, got, I, I waited for a second neurologist. The first neurologist came at me with the, the, the this is the ABC and all of it involved mm -hmm. stabbing myself. And I was like, you know what? That sounds good. And then I left and then I just didn't go back to another doctor until my toes mm -hmm. started tingling and I felt the ant bites and I was like, oh shit, wait, baby, this is serious. And so I went back and I was like, listen, I'm back, but I don't want to talk to that neurologist again because I didn't like I didn't understand anything that was getting said to me. I was told to make a choice about what I wanted, you know, for my for my prescription. But mm -hmm. I don't have any information to base that choice on. Like, I'd really like to talk right. to that neurologist. Like, I, otherwise, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And um, I threatened to leave the medical establishment entirely and just go over to the medical school. And that was the point where they were like, all right, well, let us let you talk to the head neurologist because they work in concert with the medical school. 
and you're just going to end up costing yourself a lot of money that's unnecessary. So at least let's get you this this uh, intake. And it was at that point, and when he saw my brain, because I saw him see it in 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 uh, real time, I watched his reaction when he first. Yeah, no. Yeah, oh face. no. <laughs> he, uh, he asked me like he he did two scrolls and he goes, oh, okay. Uh, oh, well, God. what do you do for a living? I mean, he you know he was just like, wait, you're walking? What what is happening here? What's going on? And you know, by the end of it, it's it was that very human thing that you all were talking about, where he said to me like, listen, mm-hmm. if you were my brother, if you were my child, if my brother were the doctor who saw that, and they were talking to me. I want to get you in here and I want to get you in aggressively. And they, you know, I, I ended up on, uh, because I, I, I am fortunate enough again, you know, DNA lottery, whatever, that um, biologically rituximab is a match for me. Uh, I, they put me on infusions immediately. Um, and so I was doing that, uh, every six months for a couple of years so have mm-hmm. only gone down to uh annual this year um but you know uh, uh, again like the efficacy of the other drugs was certainly explained to me um and right. the mess that that not only neurology but that the pharmacy companies keep neurologists in and the handcuffs that keep and, mm. you know yes it's, it's baffling to me that that we're not experiencing a a second crawl up the capital steps for for people living with chronic conditions and in particular for people living with multiple sclerosis like how we're not taking the capital there's so many of us now you know Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think things are starting to change. We have access to so much more information, but also to our own community in a way that we we didn't until very recently. Right. I mean, when I was diagnosed, I was told not to go on the internet. Like, it yeah. would just scare me. Right. And that's crazy. Like, yeah, like, knowledge is power. And I think, like, there are some awesome, awesome doctors out there there are some doctors that don't want yeah, to have patients yeah, right. work for them, right? Like yeah. they already they already know uh, what they want to do. It's more work to have to explain it to somebody who hasn't right. been to med school. That right. is such a good point. Wow. Yeah. I think the bottom line really is that regardless of what you want to know, what you don't want to know as far as your MRIs and all that, is that one there needs to be a relationship between doctor and patient, you should be able to explain to your doctor what may be too much for you, what you do want to know, what your expectations are. And two, it is so important to Mm -hmm. be an advocate for yourself regardless Mm -hmm. um, and to speak up for yourself. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to do that. Well, it takes practice Um, and it's very difficult, right? Because the thing is with MS, and and for whatever period of time it ends up being an invisible disability for you and even when it becomes visible to people trying to explain to people what is happening in your body right 
or what you know, I joke about using it as an excuse for my memory, like, oh, you know, I forgot because MS. Like when that thing gets thrown back in your face, like, is this MS? You know what I mean? And you're like, wait a minute, wait, hey, 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 you don't get to say that. Mm -hmm. I get to say that. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you ain't one of us. Yep. You ain't one of us. You can't tell that yes. joke. You can't tell that joke, right? Like yes. all of that yeah. becomes very, very real in those relationships. And so that necessity that you're talking about of advocacy, right? I think it puts us in a very particular position that that really needs to be stressed for new patients because you're going to have to advocate for yourself with your family. You're going to have to advocate yeah. with your work, with your doctor, right? People who do not live with multiple sclerosis cannot begin to understand the range of things that can begin to impact what's happening. And if you figured out what it is that helps you navigate, and that happens to be more sleep, more water, more food, time off, whatever it is, and navigate just means survive navigate mm -hmm. right then then I, you know yes that's th patients need to be taken seriously as experts in ms in their absolutely. own right mm -hmm. and that's yeah that's something that in every in every illness i think there's sort of this like status that i think we whether it's imagined or imposed this like lower status that um, I think that needs to change where we need to have like be shown some respect mm -hmm. as having a body of knowledge that doctors can't possibly have right. yes. unless they also have MS. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Parallels very much to the, to the, you know, to the same thing I was talking about in terms of issues of race or issues of gender issues of class, right? If you don't have lived experience, you don't have the expertise of how to actually navigate this in the most effective way. You don't know what's most effective. 100%. Mm -hmm. And that, like, try convincing right. a lot of doctors right. about that. Mm -hmm. Of that, yeah. They do think they know better. Be because than of what they read in the book the or because of some other patients. Yeah, they're fancy yeah. degrees. I really yeah. hope that some neurologists tune in to, to, to this and hear what we're saying because, you know, we're kind of like OGs <laughs> and I joke about it, but we're kind of like OGs in yeah. this and yeah. we have a lot of knowledge and we have lived through these traumatic episodes year after year. And, you know, the relationships mm -hmm. that we've developed with medical teams over, you know, this tremendous amount of time, like we know what we're talking about. And I really... You know, mm -hmm. that's, I think that is what I want people who are newly diagnosed to understand also. Like, you gotta, you gotta be. And uh, mad love, like mad love to the doctors that are exactly, already doing it. Exactly, yes, right? Yes, like the Dr. Yes, Buster. Yes, the ones that for, are, yeah. for sure, 100%. Not taking away from those yeah. phenomenal, you know, specialists that are out there and medical teams that are out there because it, it does exist. I think there are more than not, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there are some maybe yeah. that just aren't aware. And and I don't think that they mean any harm. I really don't. I just think that there's a disconnect quite often. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you're generous with more yes. than not. Like, I don't know if there's more than compassion. not. I, I mean, I think there are Really? I don't know. I'm trying ones. to be nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. it sounds like. Oh, yeah, you're too nice. You got to be nice. I don't. 
Listen, a lot of these doctors be walking around thinking they the keepers of knowledge. They the holder and they know what's going on. They have been ignoring women's bodies. They have been ignoring black yeah. pain. They have yeah, been yeah. ignoring indigenous bodies. Mm-hmm. They created not directly, but continue to create all levels of addiction. They they cost us prints. I ain't forgiving these doctors that easy. I want doctors <laughs> who are going to work with us, right, and advocate with us. And you're right, there are a few good ones, but let's not just act like it's everybody because when y'all put this panel from the UN together, we just want the two good ones mm-hmm. and us. We don't want a whole bunch of knuckleheads up there with us. <laughs> I'm just putting that out in the air. Very true. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bottom line. I know. I'm the I'm the diplomat here. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. That's how come you don't talk to y'all because there's a because you a diplomat. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. It takes all types, and that's even kind of why I'm only but so saying but so much here. You you let what's happening happen, and that's when you're in the space with the with doctors. It's experience. That that teaches you um, how to advocate and such, but by then it might be ten years later, and you could have been having ten years on another therapy and having another disease course, and that that, that comes right. It's like it's hindsight, man. Like uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, man. I don't know when you have MS. Hindsight is like a thousand, a thousand on the yeah. or what I would have done or, or what I should have done. And there was even a um, I watched a, a documentary about MS. Um, the guy, oh man, I forget dude's name right now. I'm spacing anyway. Um, there's a recent document because, yeah, yeah, no, (laughs) because I can't remember the name. I just couldn't, even if without MS, I couldn't remember this. It's like raising hope or like some shit like this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But bottom line, um, uh, this guy who has MS, he's out, you know, filming his documentary about how he's out here working to manage this, uh, this wellness. And um, there, there, there sort of comes a point with um, it, it's, it's sort of man, I lost you were my talking. train of thought. Yeah, that is because of MS. Because of MS. That is because of MS. But no, it, it, it really yeah. all relates. Oh, to the hindsight, right? This this lady's diet he was following, and sort of she was like, oh, she's the guru, she's the guru, and then he comes to actually visit her. And um, and film this as part of the documentary, and she's not doing as well as he thought that she would have been doing because she was the author of the book. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Look, bro, I just wasn't as strict um, as you clearly are. You clearly are, um, you know, having better uh, things than even me." And I wrote the book, and it was an emotional moment. Um, because he was like, man, because she, she, she and she asked him, she was like, did you expect me to be doing better, man? Did you expect me to not um, be needing uh, assistive devices? Do you expect me to, to look a certain way because of what, what I said? And he was kind of like, yeah. Yes. He, as, as, right, as he's sort of looking into the future and he's a younger guy and he's like, oh, OK, I, I'm going to not make this um, uh, take over me in the way that I don't want to. I will forge my way through this because I have Sharon and then I visit Sharon and Sharon kind of don't look like how I thought she would look like. Yeah. That's Sharon. Yeah. Cause what Sharon <laughs> was also making money off of her mir- miracle cure. Maybe. Mm. 
Well, it, it, I don't even think it's, it's miracle, miracle, mil, miracle, miracle cure. It's more of like, it's it just like with everyone, like with Terry Walls, with like, with everyone is all experiential. And these yeah. folks have um, compiled their experiences and, experiences and their research and this like, look, y'all all know that this thing is individual as a fingerprint, yeah. but I'm letting you know what works for me and what I have uh, um, seen to work for other people. Not gonna say it's gonna work for you in the same way that it's worked for me or these other people, but here's the blueprint and the disconnect between where you want to be, which is, you know, the least symptomatic that you could possibly be, and um, where you currently are, that's a huge gap. And reconciling that is emotional, to say the least. <laughs> and hindsight is a thousand, a thousand. Yeah. Because if you would have, could have, should have done something different, um, then maybe you would have. But now you're 53, and you're like, damn, I should have <laughs> eaten more vegetables when I was 46. And wow. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. I have to say that you all are uh, just a fantastic group of people. And each one of you teaches me something every time we talk, every single time. And I really appreciate you. I really do. Amen. Take it to the church. Go on now. Tell them, lady. I really do. This is why we're in this space together because we appreciate what you bring here in your energy and uh, even facilitating this whole combo right here. You get three uh, various people who have found their own ways to manage their yeah. shit into being a quote unquote rock stars in their own right. Um, and, and brought them together on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> to, uh, to talk about uh, the woods of this, like the deep, deep, deep woods. Cause you know, that's the beautiful thing about the time we live in. Like you said, like 20 years ago, this wasn't here. Like even 10 years ago, this wasn't here. Like just the way all the internet works and the apps and the program, like this wasn't available when you only had A, B, and C. So yeah. say if you only had A, B, and C, but you still had this rich community that would have helped it been less bad. But now you've got the community and you've got all 20 drugs and you got this foundation and that. And it's like, it's, you know, a good, it's never a good time to have a serious disease like, like MS. But right. for what it's worth, it's better now than it has been. Absolutely. And you're, you are facilitating that space to, to get back to Dawn's uh, compliment here. Um, you are actualizing why, specifically why it is a better time. Uh, well, I can probably speak for Dana there too. Like the two of us, you know, just we're really appreciative of you all and your time, first of all. But it's also therapeutic, I think. Yeah, you know, definitely. In some sort of way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some temporary. So, yeah. Can I just Where? sidebar onto the ABC drugs? What about the ABC drugs? Uh huh. I just wanted to sidebar onto the ABC drugs. Uh, we called them the crab drugs up here in Canada. <gasps> Oh, yeah, like Rebif. Copaxone, Rebif, Avonex, Beta Seron. Did you guys ever use that acronym? Oh, wow. No. No. Because I feel like marketing-wise, like ABC sounds like a way better win than crab. But they really were crabby drugs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I got multiple sclerosis. Oh, boy, did you try out the crab? Man, you got to work out on that crab, bro. Right? <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. The, the crab will heal you, baby. I've been through all the crab. 
gosh. I've never heard that before. I have. You know, Rebif wasn't approved here in the U.S. until a couple years, I think, after I was diagnosed. My mom um, was on Rebif. It's while. the same drug, I think, as Avonex, but it was like a different. Oh yeah, the time. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I think that was like three days a week or something. If I remember my mom's it good. Was, yeah. Something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 All of this stuff is the biggest okie doke that there ever is. That there ever was. <laughs> okay, I made one drug, but then right. three years later, I made sure that it, it um, went on another chromosome so I can make a whole another drug out of it, mm-hmm. and I can charge a whole another more bajillions about that. And now we're like, oh, now we know how to, this mechanism functions differently. So now I'm going to do it on this. But I also made a Monte, uh, um, a clonal version of this. That's mm-hmm. not that. So I'm going to make another $40 billion. Like it's just yep. the biggest okie doke, man. Yeah. Or, and this is a whole different topic we can talk about another time, but, or the drugs that are just specifically for SPMS. Like Dana and I talked about that before. And we talked about that yeah. a little with Dr. Boster. And the whole, like, that that's a whole different topic. I mean, just, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. yeah. I can't get into it because it'll, it'll make yeah. me mad. But yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so. This is good. Yeah. Thank all of you. We're like two doctors and two able-bodied people tuning in right now going, this is the worst fucking party line I have ever. <laughs> <laughs> what? what kind of like, party? I thought this was going to be about... Yeah, party and drugs. Like, these are shitty, <laughs> shitty drugs. Like, they don't sound fun. Yo. I didn't hear nobody. <laughs> nobody doing anything for anything. Nobody gave no hangover to you. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> nobody <laughs> asked you, well, what are you wearing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm wearing my pajamas, frankly. <laughs> I have on Christmas socks. <laughs> nice. Some yoga pants and a sweatshirt. <laughs> Ooh, and a sweatshirt too. Go ahead, girl. For me, you me you can hang out oh. though. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Carlos? Well, I almost yeah, got on underwear, but I, you know, I put I, I got pants on at least to get across the street to go get coffee before we start. So. <laughs> Bro, I was like, yo, are you street balling in the house on, on the party line right now? Carlos is sitting in the house with a cup of coffee. He said, no almost, draws on, almost underwear. Talking about MS. Is that what happened? Well, you know, I, my life is fabulous. You know, you, you set your goals and you go for them. So. But this is why I recount them in this way because clearly it's, they, these are achievements right here. That's a main thing right there. I appreciate you. This man salute to you. Respect. He said respect. RJ, I, I hope you be like you. I hope you feel better too. I hope you're you're yes. Your, oh your yeah, no, stomach is calm. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. So it's all yeah, because you got the you got the bends. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay, so where can everyone find you all? Arjo, why don't you go first since you're the lady? Where can people find you on Lady. <laughs> uh, tripping on Air. Awesome. Uh, sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. Yeah, my blog is trippingonair.com and my handle is ms underscore trippingonair. Fantastic. Carlos, Word where up. can people find you? 
this is always the difficult part for me. I'm looking it up right now. Look at me doing this. Uh, <laughs> I am. So Facebook is my name. I know that one. I know that one. Uh, okay. Ram, I have a different name, and it is uh, El Caballo Negrito. Uh, E-L-C-A-B-A-A-O-N-E-G-R-I-T-O. And uh, on Twitter, it's El Caballo Negro. And I'm there. Okay. My name's, you could, you know, Google will get you to me. Google. What about you, Damien? You can go to DamienWashington.com. That's where you get all your DW news. My YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash NoStressMS. And um, yeah, put David Washington in Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You will find me. That is. Would all of you consider joining us for another party line in the future, maybe? Yeah, you are. 100%. Know that. Thank you. You already know. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't much of a party. No. Hey. See, man, I had a wonderful time this past 73 minutes, and then you just come at the end and be like, well, it wasn't no problem. I mean, that's what we able to say. I had a good time. Yeah, we, it, yeah. Right, he don't got no that's pants. Good. He don't I got know, no right? pants. I mean, we know what everybody's off. wearing. That's what I'm saying. Like, everybody having a good time setting. Thank you. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> when you're the host, you always stress, right? Yes, definitely. That everyone's having a good yeah. time. Oh, I understand. Well, I'm glad all the guests are having a good right. time. Right. right. Now, we just got to make sure this recording uh, finalized well. Yeah. Yes, so yes. I ain't, nope. ain't touching nothing. Yes. So, thank all of you very much for your time, and we will see you soon on the next party line. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs> no, I'm so, so happy to be here, have been here, and y'all are dope, dope. Peace, peace, respect, and love to all y'all. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.